Well, good morning to every one of you. Glad again that you're here. And uh, I'm going to ask all of the men that are in this room that are fathers, uh, as I read the Word of God, I'm going to ask you to join me on your feet if you would stand, all of our fathers all across this room today. And we give honor to whom honors do. Thankful for you men. Uh, this becomes a little touching day for the pastor the last three years. And so uh, I honor my father by wearing his wedding band every Father's Day and slipped that off his finger three years ago. We buried him, and so I wear that uh, to honor him uh, this day and one or two other days during the year, but uh, certain on Father's Day. And so I keep that in a safe place and just remember him, as I know many of you remember your dads that have gone on and others have them with you and you honor them in your way today but men that are in this room thank you I honor you today uh, thank God for you as you have your Bible open in Acts chapter 2 we began reading in verse 37 and read through the end of the chapter you hear now because this is the word of our great God now when they heard this what they had heard was the Pentecostal day sermon of Peter. When they heard Peter's sermon on the day of Pentecost, when they had heard this, they were pierced to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brethren, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent, and each one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and your children, and for all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call to himself. And with many other words, he solemnly testified and kept on exhorting them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. So then those who had received his word were baptized. And that day there were added about 3,000 souls. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, and to the breaking of bread and prayer. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe, and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. And all those who had believed were together and had all things in common. And they began selling their property and possessions, and were sharing them with all as anyone might have need. Day by day continueth one mind in the temple, and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. Father, I pray today that you would take your word, speak it through this preacher, and draw people unto yourself. I pray for these men who stand with me today, asking your favor on every father. I pray, Lord, that today you would bring us to our knees, broken before a heavenly Father who loves us all. Speak now to us, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, men. You can be seated, please. Maybe you can remember the first day of school. That's a scary day. If you were 
going off to a school with a bunch of other kids for the first time. Tradition has been that they teach you reading, writing, and arithmetic. Teach you how to read, how to write, and how to add. One of the first things you learn, one plus two equals three. Always has been, always will be. Even in new math, <laughs> one plus two equals three. Well, in our text today, in verses 41 and 47, we find the word added, added on two occasions. We find where it says that there were added about 3,000 that day. And then in verse 47, the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. We've got miracle mathematics going on in this text where the Lord is prostithema. Prostithema is the word. Pros, the prefix, means forward. Tithema means to place or put. The word add here literally means that you put it forward. You place it forward. You push it forward. The Lord, that miracle mathematician, is adding to the kingdom, adding to the church. When you've got two cans of beans and you take another can of beans and you put it forward where those are, you've not got two, but you've got three because you have added to the number. That word is rolled over into church uh, language. Uh, I'll see some preachers later in the week. They'll say, how was church at Olive Sunday? And we'll respond. And then often they'll ask, you have any additions? They mean by that new members, new Christians. Did the Lord add anybody to the kingdom? Uh, did anybody come put their membership in there? Did they add to the church? Well, the Lord is that miracle mathematician, and it's those mathematics I want to talk about uh, here this morning uh, as we look in this last portion of Acts chapter 2. I want to show you three things, three miracles, I call them, in this text together. First of all, simply what I call the miracle of conversion, the miracle of conversion. The Bible says in verse 41, they were added about 3,000. In verse 47, it says uh, they were adding, the Lord was adding to their number day by day, those who were being sozo is the word, saved, sozo, made whole. Now, I'm coming home from the Southern Baptist Convention. And in this message, I'm giving a little bit of report about what we did and who we are. I want to give you a phrase right here 
That is a Baptist phrase. It comes out of our Baptist history. And you have to understand this phrase so that you don't run out and misunderstand the phrase. Many, many years ago, Baptists began to use a phrase that we don't talk about much today, but the truth of it is still here. It is called soul competency. Soul competency, the competency of the soul. Now, let me hasten to tell you what it's not. When we say soul competency, we do not mean that you are self-sufficient. Oh, no, you need God. We do not mean by this you have human ability to do spiritual things. But you must understand soul competency is that you are different as a human being than anything else in the created order. You are not a rock, though sometimes we would wonder. You're not even one of your pets, like a dog or a cat. You were made in the image of God with a capacity to know God. Somebody said, well, preacher, they even wrote a book. All dogs go to heaven. Well, all dogs may go to heaven, but I'm telling you there are going to be some dogs there that don't have an owner because not all owners are going to heaven. There are going to be some stray cats when we get there. They do not have the capacity. They are not soul competent to know God. But you, dear friend, God touched you and he made you body, soul, and spirit. You come into this world dead in your trespasses and sin. And when God touches you, you are born again. You've been born once of the flesh, then you're born of the Spirit. And a man, uh, in his inner man, in his spirit, is literally raised from the dead. You will stand, every one of us, everyone here on the Warrington campus listening to my voice, through media in any capacity, we will all stand without excuse before holy God. You are made in the image of God. You have a capacity for God, and you are so competent to know Him. And when God speaks to you, you should say, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord, yes. Only the human is built for this. And as many as were being saved, the miracle of conversion. Have you been saved? Father, we never come to Father's Day but that I am not grateful for an evangelist that I do not know but one day will meet in heaven who came by 23605 Diesel Street, St. Clair Shores, Michigan, knocked on the door and led my father to faith in Christ when I was just an infant child. 
And they had started going to the St. Clair Shores Church. They were having a revival. Brother Kiefer and the evangelist came by, knocked on the door, and spoke to my father when he was 24 years of age. And he knelt there in our home and gave his heart and life to Christ. Years later, I would take him to Detroit, back there to that place to go to a baseball game. Our good friend, Deacon, and friend, Travis Fryman, made it possible. The Tigers were in town and were playing the Cleveland Indians, and we went back, and when, after the game, we drove out there, and we went by the church. The church was locked, and my father took me to the door. We looked through the window, and he said, right up there, son, right up there. I gave my heart and life to Christ right down the street at Diesel Street, and then right up there, I was was baptized. That's where I made my profession of faith that Jesus was my Lord. He was so competent. God spoke to him. He responded by faith. And the miracle of conversion took place in my father's heart, and he was never the same again. That's why in 1971 he gave me the greatest piece of advice I've ever received from any teacher, any person, anybody in all the world when I came home and told him that I thought God had called me to uh, be a preacher of the gospel and he dropped his toothbrush in that bowl and looked at me and said, if you know what God's called you to do, you better get about doing it. It's the greatest advice I've ever received. Let me tell you, friend, if you know what God's called you to do, you better get about doing it. You have a soul, and you are competent to hear the Lord God. If you'll turn off your ears to everything else in this world, you can hear God. He's speaking. It's a still, small voice, but if you will listen, God will speak. Soul competency, it's the miracle of conversion where you get to know God and He does a work within you. Secondly, there is in this text not only the miracle of conversion, but what I call the miracle of confession. The miracle of confession. Notice in verse 42, all of those that had been saved, they were continually, look at this, over and over and over, they were continually, this is not a one-time thing, they did it again and again and again, they were continually devoting themselves to four things, the apostles' teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayer. I call that they were devoting themselves to the truth, to the tie, to the table, to the throne. They were devoting themselves to the truth, the apostles' teaching, the didache in our Greek New Testament. Baptist people believe the Bible. We have believed it. We still believe it. And we trust it. And we order our lives by the truth that we find therein. Listen to these words. We accept the Scriptures as an all-sufficient and infallible rule of faith, practice, and insist upon absolute inerrancy, soul, and soul authority of the Word of God. Those are the words in the early 1900s from J.M. Frost, who was the first president of what was called the Old Baptist Sunday School Board. And when he died in Nashville, Tennessee in the early 1900s, the Nashville Banner ran a headline about this man who said, the greatest Baptist ever to live has died. And it was Frost who said, 
The scriptures are an all-sufficient and infallible rule of faith and practice. And I just want to say to you, church, you'll hear a lot of hullabaloo and maybe read it, that people say that uh, people are not believing the Word of God. Well, I, I can't speak for every Baptist, but I can speak for this one. I can speak for this church. This book is the inerrant Word of God. And we continually devote ourselves to it, and we fashion and form our lives around it. Do we have any struggles in finding it every time? Certainly. Do we have difference of opinion about some tertiary issues? And certainly we do. But when we come to the Word of God, we align ourselves. That's what these people did. They made their confession of saying whatever the apostles taught, that was the truth. Not only did they devote themselves to the truth, they confessed this confession around the tie, the fellowship. They were continually in koinonia. This is the mystical body of Christ united in love. You joined this church as this sweet girl did this morning by baptism. If you've never come, you, you need to come and say yes to Christ. You need to be baptized. There is a mystical union of koinonia. It's called fellowship that we have one with another. Oh, we like some of us better than we like others. We have more in common sometimes. But when we boil it all down, what we have in common is Jesus, 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 Jesus. That's our koinonia. And it's our confession that we make that Jesus is Lord. And that boils us down to one thing, that is His sovereign Lordship. And it melts our hearts together in koinonia. They were continually devoted to the truth, to the tithe, thirdly to the table, that is the breaking of bread. Uh, they were coming together around the Lord's table, uh, the Lord's Supper. In 1 Corinthians eleven twenty four. it said, as often as you do this, you do it in remembrance of Olive. Remember Brother Russo? No, no, we do it in remembrance of the Christ. That's our confession. Every time we come to the Lord's Supper table and we take of the cup and take of the bread, we are confessing Jesus is Lord. How about saying that with me this morning? You seem to be kind of dead in here. Help me a little bit. We say together, what is our confession? Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Say it down there on the Warrington campus. Say it out loud. Jesus is Lord. That's our confession. It's the miracle of our confession. There's the Didache of truth. There's the koinonia of the tie. There's the Eucharist at the table. And then there is the prosuke of the throne. In prayer, we call out to God. They were continually confessing Jesus in their prayer life, according uh, to verse 42. The throne. 38 times in the book of Revelation you find the word throne. You find it 16 times just in chapters 4 and 5. The throne of grace. Jesus, the Lamb of God, on the throne. We come to the throne of grace and we let our prayers be known. We call out unto the Father. Dear friend, if you're not every day in a confession of your prayer. Change your life and become a praying individual. Turn off the fox and get to know the lamb. <laughs> Call out to the lamb of God and know him with all your soul. For 48 years, Dr. George W. Truitt was the pastor of the First Baptist Church in Dallas, Texas. 
He went there in 1897, pastored till he died in 1944. Every late summer, for many, many years, Dr. Truett was invited to West Texas. When they were branding cattle and having Roundup, he would go one week and preach at cowboy camp meeting. He did it year after year after year after year, taking a week from the city and going to West Texas. He tells the story of being there at that Roundup and one of the rich, rich, rich cattle barons that was there heard him preach one night. He came and gave his heart and life to Christ. And then he met with Dr. Truett the next day and he said, Pastor, I've been saved, gloriously saved. God's changed my life and I'd like you to pray for me. And then I would like to pray a prayer. I've really never done much of this before, but I'd like to pray a prayer myself. Dr. Truett says he knelt by that old cowboy rancher and he prayed for him and thanked God for him, for his salvation. And when he finished, he said that rancher bowed his head and he prayed words like these, Lord, thank you that you've saved me. And now, Lord, you know that I have a son who is wicked, needs you. And needs to love you. Amen. Dr. Truett said two nights later when he gave the invitation, there was a young man stirred in the back and came forward but did not come to the preacher, but rather turned and went to his mother and father. And he said that boy that that man had prayed for came down that aisle and went to his mom and daddy and said, please forgive me, I'm so sorry. I've been away from God and not been what I should have been to you or anyone else. I'm coming home tonight to faith. I'm coming home. The first prayer that old rancher ever prayed for was for his boy and God touched his son. Some of you say, well, preacher, I don't know how to say it. Friend, just cry out to God. Talk to him like you'd talk to your father and tell him the need of your heart and find that miracle of confession and know him. Run to the throne of intercession. Learn to pray and stay and stick until God answers. This miracle mathematician, he'll take your prayer and use it. You see, you don't pray to change God. You pray it changes you. Lord, not my will, but yours be done. The miracle of conversion, the miracle of confession. But thirdly, there is in this text, amazingly to me, the miracle of cooperation. 
Notice in verse 44, it says there's 3,000 these people got saved. They were all together, and uh, they kept going to church, and, and, and they were seeing God do signs and wonders through the apostles, and, and there was a feeling of awe in verse 43. The Bible says they who had believed were together. They had all things common. That's our theme this year. The community at Olive, one, one together. They were in cooperation. There were three, three items of cooperation. Number one, they were in cooperation with their money. The Bible says in verse 45, they began selling their property and possessions, were sharing them with all as anyone might have need. Amen. They came together. Some had a lot, others had little, and they were selling things, bringing it together so they could meet the needs among the church. They were common in their property. And so it is with us, church, we all bring our tithe. Some people bring more than others, but the Lord requires us to bring a tenth. That's where we begin. We start there, and then from there we grow on. I talked to a man this week. He told me he got a raise, and he told me how much of a raise. I said, glory to God. Amen. He said, preacher, you seem excited. I said, your tithe just went up. <laughs> Amen. I talked to another guy. He said, all my kids have graduated from college. I said, glory to God, you just got a raise. Your tithe went up. Sometimes we make this, sometimes we make that, uh, but God requires we be faithful and we bring it, we place it in this plate. And you see, all together, we all can do more together than any of us do by ourselves. It, it's called cooperation. It's the miracle of cooperation with the tithe of, of the local church. It's the same thing with us in our denomination. Southern Baptists, we come together, and there's over 40,000 churches. We bring that together and, and move money in, into the billions, the billions of dollars that, that go forward, and therefore we touch the world with that. It's in our giving that we do it together. It's a miracle of cooperation with their money. But not only they cooperate in their money, they cooperate with their meals. Notice this. He said, well, that doesn't seem very important. Oh, it's, it's, it's very important. It, it says that day by day they were there in the temple. They were breaking bread from house to house, taking their meals. Verse 46 said, meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart. Baptists like to eat. They like to eat a lot. <laughs> You don't hear Baptists preach on fasting as much as they do feasting, <laughs> though we need to do both. But do you know there's something about the kitchen table that makes a difference? I've shared this with you before. We will do it today. Out of 52 weeks of the year, we'll do it 43, 44 times. We'll do it today. We are a blessed family in that all of our family, and it being small, just two children, and my, me being an only child, all of our family live here. Matter of fact, all are members of this church. And so when I finish this second service, 
we will all gather at our home and we will take that meal together. My wife works all day on Saturday to get that ready. She'd rather do that as anything she can think of. Because it brings her children and her grandchildren to her table. You turn off your phone, stick it in your pocket. And there's something about passing the food that brings a harmony of the soul. And many of you are not able to do that because people are scattered far and wide. That's why Thanksgiving becomes very important. We get together. But we chose that Sunday, the family chose it because we could do it together. And there is always gladness and sincerity of heart. Today will be a great day because it's Father's Day and I'll get gifts. (laughs) But it's also my daughter's birthday today. Rachel, she was born at 19 minutes after midnight on this 19th day of June in Wichita Falls, Texas. She would have been born on the 18th day, but as they took Liz in for delivery, a man came in from a nightclub with a knife in him, and they only had one doctor, and they rolled my wife out on Saturday night and rolled that guy in, saved his life, and then rolled my wife in, and the baby was delivered just after midnight and changed the birth date. Rachel always says, please don't call me at the hour of my birth. (laughs) She doesn't want anybody calling her after midnight. We'll talk about that today. We'll fellowship. Hey, hear me. Some of the greatest fellowship you have among one another is when you take someone to lunch. You go for a coffee. You, You sit down and just across a table, cooperation comes. Syracuse University, Dr. Koshi started the ministry there and did all of it in a home. We're praying. I'm praying, and you can make this, I'm praying for someone to give us a house on the campus of the University of West Florida. I'm praying somebody give us a house that's right there close so that kids could even walk to it and we can make it an outreach and teaching and an outreach post for the gospel, and we will do that across grills and griddles of helping kids know the Lord. College kids will always eat, and there with gladness and sincerity of heart comes this cooperation. They cooperated with their money, their meals, and thirdly, with their ministry, with their ministry. You you notice it in verse 47, they were praising God and having favor with all the people. They, they were in an outreach mode, and, and their ministry was that of cooperation. I wish you could have been with me on Tuesday morning of the Southern Baptist Convention when 52 new international missionary appointees were made. Some of them we had to put behind a curtain. We could not see their name because, or their face because they're going into places you cannot name. They, they could not tell that, and they are behind a screen, and you hear their testimony of how they're going to an unreached people group together. You're doing that. You're doing that. God gives us favor, and those 52 are added to over 3,000 others that we have scattered around the world today. It 
it is in our ministry. I wish you could have heard the stories of sin relief and around the world, all going on in the Ukraine. We did a little here. We give some. We can do a little. But oh, as we marshal cooperatively together, they've gone and, and helped thousands and thousands and thousands of people coming out of the Ukraine into Romania, into Poland, and different places. I wish you could have heard. I wish you could meet these people where these church plants are, are being planted. And they tell me in 10 years, we will have more churches planted than we have churches now as the multiplication continues. And young Tommy Sanford, that preacher I met that we're going to help with a $2,000 check going out tomorrow, he planted that little church north of Anaheim. The touch of God on that. I wish you could have seen his wife when I said to her, I'm going to send you a two. She wept all over me. Church, hear me. There's just something good about doing it together. You go and people fussing and fighting and cussing and kicking. Well, the world just says you're no better than we are. But when church folk really begin to put their arms around each other, the fellowship comes. That's what's happening on that Warrington campus. Thank God for what went on with Vacation Bible School and the numbers that were there even last Sunday, and I'm sure again today. It's called koinonia. The miracle mathematician is adding and adding. And he's going to add somebody today. Someone on the Warrington campus today is going to come and be added. Somebody on this campus needs to be added. Needs to be. You say, preacher, I, I've been saved. I need to join the church. Come and you'll be added to the family. I was flying out last Sunday morning, early, early. I didn't even know there was a Sunday morning flight at 20 minutes after 5 o'clock. But there is. And I got on it at 20 minutes after 5 last Sunday morning, headed to Atlanta, over to Anaheim to get there for that meeting. Somebody walked up to me and touched me and said, Pastor. I said, I said yeah, I got one eye open. What, what do you need? <laughs> and they told me who they were. So I got ready to write them a card. They were on their way for vacation. I didn't know them. And when I looked them up in our database, it said prospective members since and told me when. They never formalized membership, never joined. But they came to me. I didn't come to them. So I'm working that angle. In my card, praying for you, love you. They're stuck. They can't get back. They didn't have, they're, they're stuck for three days on their, va had to stay three days addition to vacation. Not home yet. I sent a card saying, love to have you move from prospect to member. And if I can help in that, I'd be honored to do it. You see, when they get ready to make that decision, they will step out of the pew and down to the front or out to the next step tables, and they will be added to the kingdom, then added to the church if they're members elsewhere. Addition. Addition.
So do you remember when you first went to school? Remember how scared you were? I was. And they tried to teach you and you couldn't get it. I love science. I hated math. Fifty years ago, I graduated from high school. I was looking for something this week, and I found my high school diploma. Liz had it. I found it. I opened it up, and my last report card from Pisgah High School popped out of it. Evidently, I loved P.E. <laughs> Science, biology. Math. <laughs> Number was not very large. You didn't get letters on my report card, then you got numerical. It was over 50, so I made it. But when I got to church, the holy Jesus of Nazareth taught me to add. One by one by one by one by one by one. And daily, the Lord is adding to his church. Maybe you, a whole family could come today. Say, Pastor, I've come to lead my group. We put our heart and life in this church. Amen. Come be at it. You say, I've been saved but never baptized. But today, Pastor, I'm coming to be added. Amen. Come today. Now you say, Pastor, I never even thought about it today. I don't know. But I know now Jesus died for me. I'm lost without him. He went to Calvary for me. He says, whosoever will, let him come and Jesus will save you. I rode in Uber with Raul this week. I don't know. I, half the people out there, more than half speak Spanish. I don't even know if he could understand a word I said. But I tried. Then the Uber back to the airport. This Hispanic guy had gospel music going on in his car. We said, Jesus. He said, Amen. He'd already been added. If you've never been added to God's kingdom, added to this Lord, then come today and let's do some miracle mathematics and let God do a work within your heart, within your soul.